0: to the Codependent Me podcast. I'm your host, Tamala Shaw, and today we have the lovely Leslie Davis with us. She is an author, several books, wonderful workbook, but the book that we'll be talking about today is called You Can Eat, You Can't Eat Love, correct? Correct. You can't eat love welcome to the show thank you for having for being with us today
1: oh tamala i am so excited to talk to you <laughs> we, we have already been having fun so yes. now, now we let your uh listeners get to join in yeah, on we'll, the we'll let
0: you in on a little something something now because <laughs> it's been so wonderful talking to you thus far i, I just I, i'm excited about this episode um i don't think we've ever had this topic on the Codependent Me podcast. So I I love that we're going to get into this and learn some things about emotional eating and other topics that's going to really be good for the audience. So welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I, like I said, I'm really excited to be able to talk to you.
0: Yes. So you wrote the book, You Can't Eat Love. When did you write it?
1: Um, I wrote it. Let's see. Well, it was published in January of 2021, so I finished writing it in um, early, early October of 2020. Um, but the the opening paragraphs, the very first three, four paragraphs, mm-hmm. I actually wrote two years before that. Wow! And I okay. scribbled them on a piece of paper, and I just, for whatever reason, held on to the piece of paper, and then when I was told it was time to write the book um i drug that out and that became and the the rest is
0: history the rest is history (laughs) as they say yes yes that's good stuff so what what brought you to to even want to write the book well
1: about um you know don't make me do high mass so i'm just going to tell you the year okay that sounds good. Because <laughs> I don't have my calculator out. Anyway, <laughs> back in um, 2015, my my father died. And then in 2016, my oldest son and his wife had a, a baby, which would have been my first grandchild. Mm-hmm. Um, and my father dying, it set off a lot of emotions and weird things. Because for one thing, I had never really mourned my mother's death. And mm-hmm. at that point in time, she'd been gone for over 30 years um so when he died it was like okay you know what what's holding me back on this but the other thing that happened was that i no longer had to admit that i didn't like him um mm. uh, you know i, I mean I, I loved my father don't mm-hmm. misunderstand me but i no longer had to admit that i did not like him. So I felt some relief. But then with my son and his wife deciding that they didn't want me to be part of their life, it sent me back to what I called a wash, rinse, repeat cycle. Because two weeks before my oldest child, this very child who was about to have a baby, was born, my mother died. Hmm. So she died two weeks later, he was born. So I never had an opportunity to mourn to her death or to really even celebrate his birth. Um, um, so that's why I'm saying it sent me back. Yeah. And I went into what I call a dark place, and I hate to say that I hit rock bottom because I feel like when you do that, sometimes God will say, "Um, you want to see rock bottom? I'll show you rock bottom.
0: (laughs) Yes, very true. Yes.
1: (laughs) So I realized that I could go one of two directions. Um, I could continue on the path that I was going and realize that, you know, maybe my son and I would never ever have a relationship. I could continue being extremely unhappy or I could get healthy mentally, physically, and emotionally, and I made the decision that I was going to be the very best version of myself, um, so that when, when, because I believed, uh, when, when we were reunited, I would be in a place where I could accept whatever that reunion looked like. Good for you. And part of that journey, um, interestingly enough, took me through um, acknowledging, uh, I mean, I knew it in the back of my mind, but I didn't accept it in the front of my mind, acknowledging that I had grown up in an alcoholic home, and um, I ended up finding adult children of alcoholics. I went first to Al-Anon, but didn't feel as if I belonged there. I didn't live with any active alcoholics and if you were to look at my family you would say they're not alcoholics but you know alcoholics come in all different shapes and I
0: I definitely know that
1: (laughs) and and not all alcoholics drink so um, anyway as I said I found my way to Al-Anon and then eventually to adult children of alcoholics and that was where part of the healing started and that was also when I started coming to the understanding that you know I played a role in this. I played a role in how my life was going. And part of that role that I was playing was the codependency. Mm -hmm. I needed needed someone to take care of so that I felt that I had value and worth. So really, the, the hard work for me was learning to love myself. Yes. Because what I started out with was that nobody loved me. And I was looking for love from everybody else when truthfully, the only person who didn't love me was me. And that was where the hard work began.
0: Mm-hmm. The acknowledgement is, is, I think, is the hardest thing. I, um, I was just talking to someone about being able to call out those things that are hard to acknowledge within yourself. And me not loving me, that's huge. That's huge. So you decided that you would work on yourself internally. Exactly. And I tell people now that if I would have
1: known how hard it was going to be, I don't know that I would have started on the journey. But I am so grateful that oftentimes when we begin something difficult, we have no clue how difficult it is. But I had, you know, I kept saying to myself, look, you can do this. Um, your objective is to be the best version of yourself,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so if it's hard, it's okay that it's hard, because I don't know about you, but when something is hard, that's when we learn the most. That's when I learn the most. It's the biggest gift. And also, when when something is hard, I'm forced to slow down, mm-hmm. And to start really looking at, you know, where is it that I'm going wrong? What is it that I'm not doing? What am I doing well? And the, I would say, if somebody were to ask me what was the secret to keep going, the biggest secret was that I learned to celebrate everything, no matter how big, no matter how small. Because part of what I had been searching for was affirmation from other people I was looking for other people to say, yes, yes, look at you go and all this stuff. But you know something, I don't know about you, but the people that I'm surrounded by, they're not big affirming people. (laughs) And so when I started recognizing, I could affirm myself, I could celebrate myself, I could congratulate myself, I could cheer myself on. It was like, you know what? if they cheer me on, that is okay. Those are bonuses. Right. But I'm going to cheer myself on for everything, no matter how big, no matter how small. And so I started doing that. I would recognize, okay, you took that thought, that negative thought, and you flipped it around, you reframed it Mm. so that it was a helpful thought. Right. You took those negative things that you were trying to say about yourself. You caught yourself. Yay, amazing. Just think, you used to not be able to do that, but now you're catching yourself. And I would mm-hmm. cheer for myself. And then I would set bigger goals. You know, let, let's, let's spend 30 days having a conversation with ourselves in writing. And at the end of that 30 days, this is the reward that you're going to get for doing that. So I would write down the, the objective, the goal, and then I'd write down the reward. And that's part of how I tricked myself into losing almost a hundred pounds.
0: Oh my goodness. Uh,
1: yeah. I would, you know, little reward myself along. So, okay. You, you lose five pounds. Great. This mm-hmm. is the reward. So I wasn't focusing on the whole journey. Right. I was focusing on the little tiny piece. Mm-hmm. And when it got hard, I would say, okay. We're focusing on the reward that you're going to get. We're not going to focus on how hard it is. We're not going to focus on how far you have to go. We're just focusing on the reward. Okay, what right. can you do? Let's start talking to ourselves a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And what got really crazy is I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. And people started noticing that something was different. Even my oh, husband, he's yeah. like, I don't know what's
0: different. That's beautiful. <laughs> so you knew. You knew it was working. In your own way right right oh wow okay but you awesome. know but here here's the other thing um you know you focus
1: on people on the the codependency okay mm-hmm. so when when we we codependents have this person that we are constantly taking care of when when we stop taking care of the person that we have been constantly taken care of, mm-hmm. they start noticing that something is changing. Yes. And what I kept saying to myself, and I still say it to myself and I will say it to other people. I can only control me. I can only do something about me. Everyone else has to do something about them. I am not responsible for how they pick up whatever I'm putting down. That's right. And They have choices just as I have choices. And so many times people say, so-and-so made me such-and-such, made me feel such-and-such, or I got angry because they made me whatever. And I tell people, no one can make you anything except reservations for dinner. I love that. (laughs)
0: Because that's so true. And it will allow people to know that, you know, you have that responsibility yourself you can take and you can change you can do all of that yourself you don't have to you know my goodness what's so wonderful about this whole conversation is that people are going to understand that it's people say oh cause and effect but you can change the narrative you are you are definitely in control of the narrative and people don't always understand that they feel as though oh well they made me act this way or I did that because of them when really you are in control of the narrative and you've shown that by doing what you've done in silence and people be able to see and recognize the change that's good
1: well, and I say to people all the time, when when we say that you made me whatever, we're giving away our power to you, and we have a choice. You can make a comment to me that you know may not be a nice comment, but I have a choice as to how I react. I right. can either just let it fall on the floor. It's like I was telling somebody the other day, It can fall on the floor with a thud and a splat, and I not react at all. I simply give you, you know, kind of a side eye or something, um, you know, no reaction, or I can say to you, you know what, your comment, um, this is how I was feeling when I heard your comment, but we own, yes. we own what we are feeling because we need to own and acknowledge what we are feeling. Cause part of the problem that I discovered is Okay, let let me just kind of back up here. You're wearing a beautiful burnt orange shirt, okay? Now, what if you were to walk into the room and you were to say to me, don't you like my beautiful burnt orange shirt? And I would say to you, what are you talking about? That shirt is lavender. And say, no, 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 it's burnt orange. Oh, no, no, it's lavender. And I'm somebody that you trust and somebody that you know you look up to, like a child to an adult. Mm -hmm. Right. So you start doubting yourself, like, is my shirt lavender or is it burnt orange? Mm -hmm. Okay, so then you go off to a land where people are not crazy. (laughs) And you say to those people, don't you like my lavender shirt? And they say to you, what are you talking about? Your shirt is burnt orange. Okay, that's what we do to people when we deny their emotions, when we deny Mm -hmm. them the opportunity to speak how they feel. So if you were to say something to me that was unkind or I judge as being unkind, I decide was unkind, I have two choices. I can let it fall with a thud and a splat, which I have zero reaction whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Or I can say to you, the words that I heard caused me to not feel very good inside, or something, you know, less formal than that, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm on the spot, so I can't, (laughs) usually I can wing it a little bit better than that.
0: (laughs) Oh, you're fine, I I totally understand, absolutely, and I know the audience would too.
1: So, you know, the, the main thing that I started doing was naming my emotions, and I say in the book, It's not that I did not know the names of emotions, because I did. I read gallons, you know, I read tons. So I knew the name of emotions. I did not know how to name my emotions. Mm. Wow. And I didn't know how to feel my emotions. I did mad and angry. Oh, I did those really, really well. (laughs) And shame. Let's throw shame in there, too. I did that one, you Mm -hmm. know. I say I could do shame you know, with one hand tied behind my back and a blindfold mm-hmm. on, uh, but I didn't know, I couldn't recognize and I had to learn to recognize sad, joy, happy. Mm-hmm. I had to give myself permission to feel those things. And then with regard to feeling them, I needed to learn how to verbalize to somebody like my husband. Right now I'm feeling sad. Well, what do you want me to do? I don't want you to do anything. I just need you to know that right now I am feeling sad. Right. But I need to do something. No, you don't.
0: <laughs> yeah, they go now, then they go into the fix, right? But I want you to be happy. I'll get there. Exactly. I will get there.
1: Yeah. And and I ran into um somebody, you know, during this this journey. Um, who was trying to tell me that I shouldn't feel a certain way. And I said to them repeatedly, um, you do not get to tell me how I feel. And they got very offended. Well, quit saying that. I said, no, I'm not going to say it because you're trying to tell me how I should feel. And you don't get to tell me how I feel. This is how I feel. This is how I feel. I didn't say to the person, but I thought it. You
0: don't get a vote in how I feel. Right. That's good to that's good. I, I hope the audience can hear that. You don't get a vote in how I feel. How I feel is how I feel. Acknowledge it. Right. I need to acknowledge my feelings. And I think that's why it's very important to be able to um to acknowledge the different feelings on the inside always know your body take that time cuz like you said you couldn't recognize sad you, that's that's big you know so what other things were you able to come up with well um as i was going on you know this
1: journey of discovery i realized well i decided that i wanted to lose some weight okay Um, and I was horrified when I stepped on the scale and realized it was about hundred pounds that I needed to lose or that I wanted to lose in order to get to where I wanted to be. It's not that I needed to do it. I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and as I started paying attention to what it was that I was eating, I started realizing something very interesting. And that was that food was my drug of choice. Food was how I would numb pain that I did not know how to deal with. Um, Food was how I was coping with pain that I did not know how to deal with, or pain that I did not want to deal with. Uh, And I started discovering, which I talk about in the uh, first part of the book, you know, the lies that I told myself. How I would eat 18 cookies on a 15-minute drive you know, and throw Mm. them away, but you know, because nobody ever saw them, they had zero calories to them. Oh my
0: gosh. Oh my
1: gosh. You know, eat a, a large, um, Hershey candy bar or a four pack of Reese's before I got home from the store. And as long as I was drinking it with the diet Coke, it had no calories.
0: Oh my goodness. So you knew that that was your way of coping with the things that you were not happy with in your life or just within yourself? Or both? Um, Well, it was more that,
1: let's say for example, I would be very frustrated or upset with a situation or um, something would happen and I would feel this internal tension and anger with myself, you know, sometimes, because let's face it, so many of us are told from the time that we're very small children, we should be ashamed of, of something. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, when we, when we are told repeatedly, you should be ashamed, it sets up this tension inside of ourselves. So my release for tension was to go to food. So it could be that I was very angry and had no idea how to verbalize what I was angry about, Mm -hmm. or it could be that I was very sad, but didn't have anybody who would be willing to sit and listen to why I was sad Instead, they'd be telling me, well, you shouldn't be, and you know, get over it and all this stuff. I'm on a one-person crusade to eliminate the word should from our vocabulary. I want it eliminated from the encyclopedia of the dictionary, rather. Because with, with the word should comes the heavy weight of shaming and rule setting. And last time I checked, we make our own rules. We have choices and when we start throwing in the word should we are saying that somebody else gets to set the rules for us Mm. so I would escape and and I know it's a crazy word but I would escape to food because I knew that once I overate whatever the heck it was that I was overeating then I would feel ashamed Mm. and I was very comfortable with shame my goodness even though I didn't like it I knew I knew
0: how to do that. Yeah, I was gonna say you that's where you were comfortable. Right. That's that's big. That's big. It's big to be able to get there. That's that's some work. That yeah, that's some work. It was shocking, to be very honest. It was shocking. I could I could I could imagine. So when it came because you did lose the hundred pounds. Yes. I did. I did. So you, did you take those, just like you said, one bite at a time? Like they they say, how do you eat, a, how do you eat an elephant? One bite, one bite at, at a time. time. Right. So that's how you did the weight loss as well.
1: Exactly. That's how I did everything. I did it one bite at a time. And what's really hilarious is back in uh, 2014, I went on a mission trip to Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. And if you look at my personal Facebook profile the photograph is me on an African elephant and it's me a hundred pounds ago and people say well why don't you change it I said you know how many African elephants are running around in your backyard <laughs> you know exactly <laughs> how many times do you get to ride an African <laughs> elephant in the middle of the savannah you know right Let me just run back to Zimbabwe
0: and
1: jump on them. Yeah. I mean, I've been back to Zimbabwe multiple times. I haven't been in the last two years, but I haven't been back to where the elephants are to ride another elephant. Yes. Um, So in African elephants are bigger than Asian elephants. (laughs) So, you know, when when I would say to myself, the visual of eat an elephant one bite at a time, I knew how big big that elephant was. And the elephant that I'm riding in my Facebook profile is the female, not the male. The male was, uh, you know, even taller than than that elephant. So I knew how big that elephant was. But yes, it's Mm -hmm. very, very true. The way that you eat, the way that you tackle a large goal is you one bite at a time. And it doesn't matter if you do it sequentially, or if you do it any, you know, any kind of order, just, you know, randomly, and I tell people who will look at me kind of funny, you know, when you use the elephant analogy, I say, okay, Swiss cheese it, and they're like, what? (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) Because Swiss cheese has all those holes in it, Mm -hmm. and those holes are from the gas, uh, the pockets of gas that pop. I said, you know, mm-hmm. you just Swiss cheese, it. get a piece of cheese and take a little bite here, a little bite there, take a little right. bit bigger bite there, No, you know, and eventually you end up with a piece of Swiss cheese and then exactly. you just start connecting all the holes.
0: Absolutely. So did you do a lot of journaling so, so you could keep up? Well, where you what, are? what I ended up doing was I
1: recognized I mean, I I don't know about you, but for me, I could get thoughts going in my head and they became what I call hamsters on wheels. I started recognizing I had all these hamsters on wheels. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, for me, if I leave the hamsters running around on the wheels in my head, nothing productive ever happens for it. So I started grabbing pen and paper and writing and having a conversation with myself. Mm. which is where I discovered my very best friend in the whole wide world. Because truthfully, especially, you know, those of us who are functioning from this codependency, truthfully, Mm -hmm. what is it that we yearn for the most?
0: Oh, is that a question? That's a question for you. Yes, you don't even have to raise your hand. Mine was acceptance and love or validation. Okay, validation. Another
1: word for validation is someone to hear you. Yes, Yes. just want to be
0: heard, yes.
1: Okay. So, what I recognized, just like you, I wanted someone to hear me. I wanted someone to listen to me. I wanted someone to sit and hear what it was that I was saying without judgment and without telling me how to fix it and without telling me what I was doing wrong and without, you know, fill in the blank. Right. So, the way that I discovered that I could do that was by grabbing pen and paper. And having a conversation with myself and this is where i discovered my very best friend in the whole wide world and that's me because that's who seeing. is who is always with you me right 24 7 is you going to judge you because you're having crazy thoughts no are they going to accept you for how you are
0: i hope so <laughs> You yeah. have to get with me and you know talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and are they going to get tired of listening to you?
1: Right. Absolutely not. No. Absolutely so not. One, yeah. Once I started having the conversations with myself, I realized that the hamsters were falling off the wheels and they were being sent mm. back to the pet market. Right. Okay. So my other mission besides eliminating should from the dictionary is to fire all the hamsters that are running around on wheels inside of our heads. send them back to the pet market and put them out of business.
0: That's right. Yes, absolutely. I love
1: that. Now, people may be surprised to discover I rarely reread anything I've written. Okay. I usually put a, a period, an amen, a thank you, a something, and then I don't look at it again. It's released. It's released because let's be really, really honest. You and I, I mean, yes, we are working under the power of Zoom and we are recording. However, if you and I were simply sitting in a coffee shop and we were having, um, you know, our favorite beverage for me, it'd be a Diet Coke with no ice. So we couldn't go to Starbucks because they don't serve Diet Coke. (laughs) And I don't know what you would be drinking, but we'd be sitting here having a great time. And where would the video camera be?
0: Right. Wouldn't be there at all.
1: No, it wouldn't. You'd have memory. But exactly. That mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why I rarely reread any conversations that I have with myself. Do I keep them? Do I hold on to them? Yes. And I laugh at myself on occasion thinking, you know, that when I'm, you know, moved on to the next place, my kids will find my stacks of, um, you know, writing. I write in notebooks. I do not journal. They, okay. I do not okay. journal. I write in notebooks. Um, I've always said, I'm not a person who journals. I'm a person who writes in notebooks.
0: Good
1: deal. <laughs> do, don't, do not tell me that they are the same thing. Um... <laughs> <I hear you>. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here, here's the crazy thing. I was having a really uh, particularly bad morning one morning and I started couching my comments. I was not writing some of my honest thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I actually wrote down, who in the heck are you lying to? Oh, my goodness. And I had to pause. And I said, oh, I already know all this. So I might as well just go ahead and write it down <laughs> so that I can get it out of my head and move mm-hmm. it on. Mm-hmm. So I was still trying to lie to myself and, and I still laugh about that. It's like, you know,
0: I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> you know? and I think that's beautiful that you were able to write that down and say, okay, I'm not living in my truth. Who am I lying to? Mm-hmm. You know, that's so good. I think that's I think that's important it's important to write things, you know, down all the not all the time, but most of the time. I always have, and even, even during my podcast. Always, you guys say such phenomenal things. I mean, I always have my notebook <laughs> with just different things that you say that I want to remember because that's big, you know? So for you to be able to really be truthful with yourself, that is best friend material, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's how I do it. You, you know, uh, like I
1: said, um, I recognize that I couldn't lie to myself. You know, stop lying to yourself.
0: Yeah. Because that's the only person that you're lying to. That's right. what most people don't understand. Exactly. You just sit back and tell all these big, fat lies about, you know, what you did, what you are, who you are, and all of that. You are lying to no one but yourself. Well, and I
1: talk about in the book that, um, you know, there are three people. There's me, myself, and I. Mm-hmm me and myself want to protect you. And so they're the ones who are going to smooth things over, cover things up, you know, hide things, do whatever. I is sitting there watching and seeing everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if we, I mean, in my case, it was eating. If me and myself pretend that, you know, 18 cookies eaten in, you know, 10, 15 minutes, are no calories, I am sitting there saying, you know what, the rest of the world is going to see the evidence. Right. They're not going to see the evidence of the cookies. They're going to see the evidence of the, of the, uh, what happens as a consequence of eating the, of cookies, the cookies, which is absolutely. the weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so That's the more, awesome. the more that I came to understand that I was just lying to myself to protect myself, I started having to look at what am I protecting myself from?
0: What was your answer?
1: That I thought that nobody loved me. And I didn't want to give anybody an opportunity to hurt me. Mm. Because it was my job to take care of everybody else. And I did not deserve to be taken care of.
0: Mm. Let's take a breath. That's heavy. Okay. And you worked through those things?
1: I did. I did. Because it was about that time, you know, that I really, really understood that I had what I called a myself-sized hole in my heart.
0: And say I was that again. Feeling, please. Please say that again for the audience one more time. You had what?
1: I, I recognized that I had a myself-sized hole in my heart and i was filling it with food instead of love
0: that is big because that's that's the that's the hole where the love for yourself that self love should be right but instead you had a myself sized hole in your heart my goodness that's big that's big and you have that takes work it takes work to fill that hole with goodness to fill that hole with forgiveness oh my goodness I love that I love that you can't eat love but you can fill that hole with some love
1: <laughs> that, that's right that's right and that you know that's what I came to understand is you you can't eat love and you mentioned forgiveness that was part of the early early work that i did was learning to forgive myself mm-hmm. and i continue you know if i make a mistake or do something that i didn't originally intend to do or i make a not so great choice i
0: forgive myself and then i move on right and and that's the beauty it's all it's, it takes me back to where you said how you know people hear all the time you should be ashamed of yourself you know, they may say it, but we're the ones that believed it, right? Right. Right. So that was one of the things that I had to forgive myself. You know, I forgive myself for believing all of these things that were said about me. I took it on myself and I didn't have to. (laughs) I absolutely did not have to. So, you know, I can say all all day long, oh, they shouldn't have said that. They should, oh, they can say whatever they want to say. It's on me on how I believe on what I take in, you know, I always say, even when it comes to the podcast, and anything that I put out, everything is out here, take what you need, and leave the rest, right, so if you don't need any of it, don't pick up any of it, right, and leave it, just leave it, and keep going, so when people used to say negative things, I would, I would, it would be like a sponge. I would oh this I am this. I'm I'm not pretty. I I sound funny. You know, I got weird ears. You know, it's all these different things. You just never know. I took those things in, you know. I didn't have to. I could have said, you know, you think think what you want to. Just don't look, you know. You got a bad attitude, okay? You know, well, I, that's for me. I if I took it in, that's on me. And it's hard to get people to understand that. Like you don't have to take it just because they throw it. You don't have to catch it. Let it go by, you know, or or
1: let it fall with the thud and a splat, and then it splats all over their shoes.
0: Oh, there it is! I love that.
1: <laughs> you know,
0: hit them with and, the splat. Yeah, and
1: and the other thing that I did um, with regard to the forgiveness is I went back and I forgave my parents. I said, you know what? They did the very best that they could, based on the information that they had. They had their struggles. They had their issues. I'm forgiving them because, you know, they did the best that they could. Now, I can try to do better, right? but forgive them, leave them where they are, and let me keep moving forward rather than dragging them along with me. Right, absolutely. Because they they are not walking on the face of this earth right now so
0: why am i dragging them with me <laughs> right yeah but a lot of people do they they hold on to that heart and you don't realize that you know how it's it's weighing on you you know and, and i always tell people anything that does not serve you let it go yep so that's good uh-huh. that's good so you got through all of those emotions, and you started working your program that you set for yourself, right? Mm-hmm, right. So how did that um, when your I believe it was your father that passed away, right? Yeah, and he died. He died in twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. Right, and then you had the the grandbaby, right? Yeah. So how did all of that, like when you started doing your work, were, did your son see it? Were they able to mm-hmm. acknowledge? Um, Actually,
1: my son and I did not have a conversation from 2015 until September of 2021.
0: Mm. Mm. And I want to say that for the audience, because a lot of people feel as though, you know, if I do the work, then the person will see it, acknowledge it, and then we can move on. It doesn't always happen that way, but it doesn't make the work not effective. It doesn't mean that it shouldn't have been done because you're doing it for you, right? Exactly,
1: and and um, the the main reason, because, you know, as you mentioned right there, that's so important. If our motivation is for somebody else, that's right, then when we are disappointed then we're going to very quickly revert back to our old ways because our motivation was 100% contingent upon that person's reaction so if you'll recall I said you know at the very beginning that I was doing the work so that I could be the best version of myself that I possibly could be so that when we were you know reunited I would be able to be the best version that I needed to be. It had Absolutely. nothing to do with them. Absolutely, yes. And I think that that's where so many people get hung up, especially you know, if you're focused, if you are um, a well-trained codependent, mm-hmm. your, your focus is always on the other person. Yes. But you see, that's not where healing takes place. Healing takes place when you say, you know what, the other person is living their life I need to live my life to the best of my ability. And here's a secret that I discovered. We teach people how to treat us. But first, we teach us how to treat us. And then other people observe how we are treating us. That's right. So you've got two boundaries actually running around. You've got the boundary with yourself and you've got the boundary with other people. And if, if you're trying to say to somebody, if I were to say to you, you know, you can't say ugly things to me, you can't call me, you know, dumb or, you know, how, whatever, mm-hmm. but then you're sitting there enjoying your Coke or whatever you like to drink. And I drop something and I say, oh my gosh, I can't believe how stupid you are. That's going to set off that cognitive dissonance, which we circle back to your shirt is beautiful burnt orange, or is it really lavender? Right. Okay, because yeah. I've told you, I'm not going to allow you to talk to me that way. But then I turn around and talk to myself that way. And you're like, well, she didn't really mean when she told me I couldn't talk That's to her right. that way. So guess what? I'm going to. Talk I'm going to break her. that boundary too. Exactly. And so right. then so then we are left with no boundaries. Mm-hmm. And we wonder why people are running all over
0: us. Right. Very true. Very true. Mm-hmm this has been good. I like it. I like it. So if you have anyone, if you know of anyone that's in a similar position where they're, they're looking and trying to find themselves, they don't know why they do certain things. What would you suggest to them?
1: The, the first easiest thing for them to do is to grab paper and pen and write to their future self a year from now and describe what they want their life to look like
0: mm-hmm.
1: and get really, really, really honest. Um, dig down about how they want to be feeling, how they want to be acting, who they want to be around. Um, and then daily, if they can commit to just you know one week Every morning, I mean, I do it in the morning. If other people's prime time is in the evening, whatever, whenever your prime time is set aside, you know, about 10 to 15 minutes and just have a conversation with yourself about what you, whatever is on your mind and start writing that conversation with yourself. And you'll be really interested to see what shows up. I like
0: that.
1: And get it, get it out. You know, because the more we leave the hamsters on the wheels inside of our heads, the more they keep spinning around and nothing good ever happens from that. That's but a starting, a starting point is to get to know yourself and to stop lying to yourself.
0: That's big. That's big because, you know, and, and I will say in my experience, once you start, you will bring out things and you're like, oh, I didn't realize I was doing that. Oh, I didn't. Re-. And it's it's so freeing. It is. It's liberating. Absolutely. Well, and, and then the
1: other thing that people can do, which I did, you know, this a little bit more, let's say, for example, you catch yourself um, doing or saying something and you're like, wait a minute, what, what what's going on? Grab that pen and paper and ask yourself, what is really and truly going on? When was the first time I can remember having heard, you know, that cutting comment? what was going on, how did I feel way back then, when it Mm -hmm. happened, Um, you know, it could be you in elementary school, and somebody made fun of your hair, yes, and so now, whenever somebody makes fun of your hair, you have that reaction, you know what I'm talking about, you have that reaction, and Mm -hmm. you're like, where is this coming from, well, then you pause, And you grab that pen and paper and you say, okay, where is this really coming from? What's the first time I remember this happening? How was I feeling? Did Mm -hmm. I tell anybody about this? Did I talk to anybody about this? What did they say to me? And then was it a a bad case of burnt orange versus lavender shirt where somebody was telling you that you shouldn't feel a certain way? Or did they say to you, I can just imagine how you must've felt. Can you tell me more?
0: Absolutely. Because another thing that we don't realize is like, however old you were when that happened, like you are still at that point. That's exactly right. You have to heal that baby, you know, girl, boy, you know, whatever. You have to heal that child in order to move on. Exactly. I've, I've been there. When I was writing my book, I remembered something that someone said to me in the fifth grade. And I felt like that little girl standing in the hall, having this person say what they said to me. And I, even at that point, I did not know what to do. I didn't know how to handle it. And I had to work through that. And that's why I say it's important to listen to your body. Yes. Because as, as you write, different feelings will come up and and you have to say, oh, where'd that come from? You know, because if you don't, if you ignore it, it's just going to come up again later. (laughs) Well, it's as a really
1: good friend of mine says, you know, they come out sideways. It it will show up as something else. Right. You know, we we talk, you hear about the the proverbial straw in the camel. Mm -hmm. You know, just the straw broke the camel's back. Well, the reason is because we haven't acknowledged, we haven't um, allowed whatever it was that was stacking up to be. We have just kept shoving it, shoving it, shoving it. And then all of a sudden, one little teeny tiny tiny thing.
0: And the whole thing goes crashing down. That's right. Absolutely. Yes. Wow, this is good. So you do have a
1: website, right? Yes, you can't eat love.com. And that's the easiest place to find anything about me, about the book. Um easiest way to reach out to me is to go to the website again You can't eat love.com.
0: do you hold any I want to say like any talks or you know if someone wants to talk to you about the book or your experiences or anything like that would they be able to contact
1: you yes there's a contact form on there and they can reach out and contact me and I'm happy to talk to people I've had people say oh you're a real person yes I'm very real
0: <laughs> she is real people I promise <laughs> This is good. So if you could say anything to the audience that um, can help them make it through the day, what would it be?
1: It would be to say to them, you are enough Mm -hmm. just exactly as you are. And if you do not believe it, I will believe it for you until you are able to believe it for yourself.
0: Yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, this has been a pure pleasure. Oh, so well, nice you, meeting Catherine. you. Mm-hmm. I am definitely um very intrigued about your work. Your work. Oh, and I you. do, I don't I can't remember if we talked about your journal um that you sell on the podcast or before the podcast. So I would like to say <laughs> that. Uh, Leslie has a guided emotional journal and it's on sale. Is it on Amazon? Yes, it's on Amazon. It's called So So I Said to Myself. So I Said to Myself. And you can use that along with reading the book as well, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Which is also on Amazon. So everyone go out, get this book, go on her website. It is a wonderful thing. And I thank you for being on here. And I want to let the audience know that you matter and your story matters. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Leslie. Thank you. All right. Bye. I understand that nothing is more valuable than your time. So thank you for listening. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Codependent Me, And check out my website at codependentme.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day.